0: Hi, my name is Isabella Johnston, the intern whisperer, and today's tip of the week is focused on leadership skills. You want to foster connections in the workplace. You can do this by having regular check-ins with your workforce, either one-on-one or as a team. This helps companies better understand the needs and wants of their staff, areas they need to improve, and what can be done on an organizational level to combat employee dissatisfaction. Show interest in cultivating a personal connection between upper management and employees by utilizing compassion and respect during your check-in times. Okay, so today's show, all of my people and followers that we have here is all about welcoming Bob Dixon with I'm going to mess up your consulting firm name. Let's go ahead, teach it to me again. It's
1: uh, it's Arate Strategic Consulting.
0: Arate. It is a Greek
1: word, right? Re- Greek. word, correct. Okay. Greek work, that, it's about holistic excellence. That's what that word means.
0: There we go. I'm sure you have to teach other people how to say that word also.
1: Too, but I think most of the time when I tell people they're like, "Hey, that's pretty cool." And I I don't I don't mind working with somebody who has excellence as a standard.
0: Oh, well, there we go. We're on the same page. So we are welcoming Bob Dixon, as you just heard, with RTA Strategic Consulting, and he helps people with and organizations be their very best by helping them see themselves and their environment differently. And I know that's what he does with every conversation I have with him. He is our returning guest from our 2022 season because his episode was number one on the video view. So welcome Bob, little round of applause. Yay. Yay. Okay so our show is always about education innovation and the future of industries and jobs so we're going to kind of since this is not the same show but we could have people that are picking up this show for the first time just share a little bit about your background and how you launched your business arate now that i've got it down i feel so so knowledgeable
1: so uh, thank you again for having me on the first time and for having me back. You're so gracious with your time, and I, I very much appreciate it. Uh, when uh, Back when I was a colonel in the Army, I got to learn how to lead large complex organizations. And I thought for sure that when I retired from the military, that's what I was going to be doing uh, for profit in the civilian world. And it, it turns out it's harder to get a job running large uh, complex organizations <laughs> in the civilian world, uh, when you don't have any experience in those industries. Uh, But it turns out that I don't think I would have been exactly happy there. And what I found out about myself when I really reflected on the best parts of serving in this nation's uniform uh, was I loved to coach, teach, and mentor leaders. And that's what I, re- I really have a passion for. And the best parts of being in the military were watching those leaders thrive. And now some of them are taking uh, command of battalions and brigades. And, and even some of them are, are getting their, their stars as they're promoted to general officer. And that brings me joy. So I thought, why not start a business where you're helping leaders lead better and achieve their vision? So I started a company to do that.
0: I love that. That is very nice. And so our listeners will know that you served in the military, you transitioned, you found your spot in the civilian world as a consultant, but you do more than just that. And, you know, I know that we have... Uh, we always intersect when we go to Synapse, whether it's Orlando or Tampa, and you've been climbing the ranks, even inside of what I consider climbing the ranks, inside of Synapse. You were moderating panels, and just so our listeners know, maybe you can explain a little bit about Synapse and, and how you've been working with them.
1: You know, when I w- was going through the process of retiring, I thought, what what is the best way to network into the Tampa uh, area and figure out who everybody was. And and somebody pointed to Synapse Summit. So this is back in 2019. And I attended uh, as a $49 military ticket holder to this amazing conference. I was blown away. And I said, man, there's a lot going on here in Tampa and across Florida. So I kind of stalked the people that run that uh, on LinkedIn until they would agree to have coffee with me. And when they did, uh, it took us about an hour to figure out that we probably could help each other. So they introduced me to a lot of people and I worked for them and helped them with uh, operations for pretty much every large event that they've done ever since. And every year, I I think that they're going to... uh, to forget about me and, and they've got it kind of handled and, and every year so far they've called me up and said, hey, would you mind coming and hanging out with us? So I've been on the board there since 2021 and uh, every every year I come out of hiding to, to help them in any way that I can put on their great events that connects the innovation world across Florida and uh, it's a ton of fun and yes, I did get an opportunity to, to talk about leadership as a a panel moderator with some great guests. And uh, that was a lot of fun for me.
0: Mm -hmm. It had to be. So when you were mentioning being on the board, I'm curious, how does one get on the board there? Because I'm sure some of our local listeners would be interested in participating in that. I don't know if you have any inside
1: tips. Well, there are a couple of different ways. Uh, We do have large sponsors that sit on the board because they uh, are... Contributors to the the uh, nonprofit, uh, but there's folks like me that give up my time, and over time they were at, I they asked me would Would you like to join the impact board so that you can uh, have a voice in the direction we're going? And so just by by being there, by helping as often as possible, and for participating in just about everything that they did, they were like, okay, you can contribute in significant ways. We'd love to have you. So. There's quite a few people like me that are there because they want to be and because they continuously contribute.
0: Mm, Yeah. I have heard that many times from other organizations that I'm active with. Um, I'd love to do that with uh, Synapse. So thank you for the tips. But um, if you decide you're going to go into podcasting, let me know. And then I'll connect you to those people too, because you would be an awesome resource.
1: (laughs) I I have it on my my to-do list. Uh I there's a couple of other things I need to get done first, not least of which is I yep, have uh, several books that are, are rattling around in my my brain housing group that I need to to knock loose and get out on paper.
0: Well, because you led into the uh book, let's talk about the first book. Um, mm-hmm. just give a shameless plug for all of that great knowledge that's in that book and what people can learn. Hold that. Uh, for doing that
1: sh- shameless plug right there, there five people's leadership insights. Uh, this is about challenging what we think we know. There's a lot of uh, biases and assumptions and lenses that we look through that sh- that sort of skew how we see the world, and that skews our decision making, and that skews our understanding, and it skews how we relate to other people. Uh, the book is about identifying those and breaking through them.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's a very, very short summary of it. Do you, um, I've studied different leadership types. Is there one particular leadership type that you tend to gravitate to that you've seen used in the military or just your preference?
1: Uh, I don't know if types are, are, are something that that I ascribe to as much. I mean, yes, you have authoritative and, and uh, laissez-faire and everything in between. Um, I'm more interested in in the power that people use while they have a leadership role and whether or not they're in a position of leadership or if they are just a natural leader. So the, the five uh, major forms of powers you have coercive and reward power, you can write people up or you can give them bonuses, coercive and reward or two. Um, you have uh, authoritative power, um, which is, or legitimate power is another term for it. And that is, you know where are you on the organization chart? Uh, You've got expert power, which means that you are considered an expert in your field or industry, and so people refer to you or defer to you, and that's a form of power for leadership. And then there's one that's called referent power, which is really about people respecting you and people wanting to follow you. And this is where influence comes from, and this is the most powerful power that a leader can use. That's influence. And for me, the people that don't rely on their rank, they don't rely on coercion or reward. They don't rely on just being the smartest guy in the room, but they rely on influencing people, getting people to see things differently in a way that's positive positive, that helps them achieve what they want to achieve. That to me is what a great leader uses to get people going.
0: Mm-hmm. It sounds similar to uh, servant leadership, which is one of the leadership models that I was um, following when I was in my PhD program. And I absolutely, I know that's what I subscribe to there. Um, refer could also be in that place of persuasion, um, definitely. But I think that it's the way that you're describing it is more about influencing, like you said, for the positive.
1: Yeah. And there's, there's also a sixth uh, power. These, these two psychologists uh, in the 19, late 1950s uh, came up with these five. One of them came up with a sixth one is called information power. And that's the person who has the information has the power and that's often used nefariously. Mm. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't know how I'm going to mix that into uh, those major five because I think the five cover it pretty well, but yeah, we've, I think all known people who hold on to information because it gives them power. Um, but I've yet to see it be used for good.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that one. So you have launched a whole workshop series. Tell us more about that. What is that? So
1: uh, it, it it started, uh, you know, one of, as a lot of stories do. A couple of us were sitting around with some bourbon, talking about leadership, um, and there were happened to be five colonels uh, talking about this. Retired colonels, folks that had gone on into the business world and had done very well, and the question was. What parts of military leadership are appropriate and effective when you go into the civilian world? And it turns out that there's a lot of them. Much of what we learn in uniform is absolutely transferable in terms of leadership. Now we we had to learn to clean up our language a little bit. You know, you, you, I used we used to ask, you know, if somebody's telling me something that I can't see the relevance of, I just look at them and say, why do I care about that? Which apparently comes off as gruff. And uniform, staff officer hearing that from a senior officer will just immediately apply with why it's important. But it turns out that I had to learn how to say, okay, I'm not understanding why that's important. Please explain to me why I should be paying attention to it right now. Or please explain why that's important. Um, So things like that that we have to clean up. But other than that, there's quite a bit that transfers. Well, we get to kicking that idea around and said, well, maybe we could help. Civilian leaders understand more about uh, veterans that are transitioning out if they understood more about our leadership styles. What if we put together a workshop where we picked five principles each eagle, each colonel, gets to explain, uh, do like a little TED talk on a leadership principle, and then we have small group discussion to talk about those principles and make it very personal for leaders. Uh, we kicked that idea around for quite some time, and next Friday, so March 3rd, I don't know when this uh, podcast is going to go out, but on March 3rd, 2023, uh, we are going to hold our actual first uh, Five Eagles Workshop, Five Eagles Leadership Workshop, and we're super excited about it. Uh, it's uh, it's going to be great. I'm flying in three colonels from across the country, plus a, a couple of local heroes, and uh, we're going to get deep in leadership.
0: Mm.
1: Well, just That's, so you
0: know this show airs on the 28th of March. After it, so that means there's going to be some really good fodder for listeners to go and subscribe to you on social feeds and see what came out.
1: I, yeah, I look forward to that. And we're also looking at what other venues can we uh, host this in because there are there are colonels and and eagles of of Navy and Air Force and Marines uh, in all major cities, including Orlando. And it would be wonderful if we could pop into cities, gather leaders that really want to, to go deep on learning strategic and senior leadership uh, to hang out with a few of us old birds and uh, see if we can't tease out some great ideas for them. So.
0: You know what? I'll help you with the Orlando reach, but I want to be able to participate and, and part, you know, like collaborate with you for sure. I've been looking for this for a while. I don't know. We talked about it, but I'm going, okay, you want to get in Orlando?
1: I will help you get in Orlando. Well, that'd be wonderful. I look forward to that.
0: Yep. Okay. We've got a plan there. So let's talk about book number two. What is going on
1: with that? So book number two uh, was really easy to get to about the 80% mark. Uh, and and book number two is on self-awareness. So the five principles are insight, uh, self-awareness, uh, strategic thinking, leading through culture, um, and influence. And so I'm writing what we call an airplane book. So they're short books so that you can read it on an airplane. And book two on self-awareness was just it's 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 a very tough subject, and it, it, it self awareness is very personal for people. And so my style of writing is to tell a story that, that either I've read somewhere, or heard somewhere, that I lived, and self awareness doesn't lend itself to that in a way that uh, that's easy. And it dawned on me recently that uh, you know it'd be easy for me to blame the editor or blame uh, the publisher, uh, but in fact I it's not where. I want it to be. And it's not the quality that my readers deserve. And so I've put it on hold because I'm having such a hard time getting there. And I thought a lot about that. I had to be self-aware enough to know that this wasn't working the way I wanted it to. And it will eventually, I'll get to it. Uh, But I think there's so many other things that I could be writing right now that that one just needs to go sit on the shelf and germinate a bit.
0: So Um, when you're saying self-awareness, and what is, and what aspect is the self-awareness? Because you said you like to tell it through a story.
1: So, you know, in, in, in self-awareness and in the idea of self-awareness, people often, if you ask people if they're self-aware, most 95% of people say, yes, <laughs> they are wrong. And, uh, there's, there's a great Ted talk by, uh, Dr. Tasha Yurik that uh, talks about her research which reveals there's about 15% that are actually, she calls them unicorns that actually, uh, are really self-aware, which as she says, if 95% people say yes, and only 15% actually are, then about 80% of us are delusional. Uh, I, I, suspect, I suspect I have some of that delusion in me as well. Um, and, and she distinguishes between internal and external self-awareness and internal understanding your emotions, your feelings, what triggers you, what are your biases and assumptions that are shaping the way you see yourself and see the world. And then the external is, how are you being perceived by others? How aware am I about how I'm being perceived by others? And that is a very difficult thing for a lot of us to capture.
0: Mm. So. so- I'm going to give you a suggestion. I don't know if you've done this or not, but do you ask yourself um, the questions that you would like to have somebody ask or see what they think about you about self aware? I think if it was up to me and I was talking about self-awareness, there's always Maslow's theory, right? The ultimate self-awareness is that we're here to serve others. It's, It's not that we're It's all about us, but yet it is all about us because we have that power to be able to make a difference in other people's lives. Now with you, I think that you are very self-aware and you hit hit the bottom of the pyramid and you're trying to figure out how to get up to the top there of the theory. But if you ask people, I don't know, try 10, just what their thoughts are about you and how they feel that you are showing self-awareness. I think that will help you to begin to break through a wall that maybe you hadn't, but I don't know, maybe you've been doing that. I'm not sure.
1: There's a, a, a technique called the email that will change your life that I've, I've got in the book that, that, uh, I, I, gosh, I wish I could remember the, the author's name that, that first used it. It's, uh, um, and it's where you send an email out to about 15 of your closest friends and, and ask for uh, specific, actionable uh, things for you to work on. And it takes incredible amount of courage to send that email out. But I do recommend it to all of my clients, uh, all of my leadership clients. Uh, is, you know, if you do this, it could change your life.
0: I'm looking yeah. it up to try and see if I can help you by finding the author. And it's it's all over the place, but there's nowhere that says who the author is. Well, I have no idea. Um, anyway, um, yeah, but you're also depending yeah. on the fact that people are going to be honest. And right. I feel like you can get more honesty, not from the, the email, because I, I feel that people, when they write these responses, they're not being as thoughtful about the responses, they go, okay, I'm just going to answer it. And so they answer it quickly and it may not be really what you're looking for. So again, I go back to, if you were to have these conversations with people and ask them, how are they, how do they show their self-aware? And then ask them how they feel if you are self-aware. I think that chapter will write itself more easily.
1: Al Elrod is is the author.
0: Ah, and who is uh, he? How old is he? Where did he come from?
1: Uh, Hal Elrod uh, wrote a book called "The Miracle Morning," and it's about your morning routine that can change your life. And and in the end, in the epilogue, he he uses the uh, the miracle morning. And and you're right. Sometimes people will give you uh, cursory, non-useful answers. His mother was the first to respond, by the way, and she said that the only fault that she could see in him is that he doesn't call his mother often enough. <laughs> um, that was precious. Um, but he said he got tons of great feedback from, uh, from other people. Uh, but I think you're right. Sometimes uh, the, sometimes when you ask people for honest feedback, people have uh, a skewed idea of empathy because they're so worried about your feelings that, that they don't actually help you. Mm-hmm. Don't, I, look, I don't want to hurt your feelings, so I'm not going to be completely honest with you.
0: Yes, exactly.
1: And I call that malignant empathy. As a leader, if you're not giving people honest, candid feedback in a caring way that helps them learn and grow, you care more about their feelings than about their job performance and about the progression and about them moving up in the company.
0: Do you really think though, that, that they care about the feelings or the fact that they don't want to be the one that tells them something that's hard and then be seen as the bad guy or whatever they're more, there yeah, there there,
1: there could absolutely, there, there could be a reason for their empathy that is self-serving without a doubt. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I'm really honest in my feedback to people and they can hear it in the tone of my voice. So they'll know that I genuinely care about them. And I'll say something that might be hard to hear, but I would rather them hear. And I want them to treat me the same. Like, tell me what I need to hear, not what you think I want to hear, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. In fact, I I published an ebook not too long ago about how to give feedback without being a jerk.
0: Mm, I could use that one. Where can I find that one?
1: It's on my website and I'm happy to send you a link.
0: I will, I will do that. And I will share that link in the podcast also. So oh, wonderful. You can go and find it. That sounds like a good tool to be able to use. Okay. So I know that I've interrupted you several times on this second book, but I'm going to go ahead and let you get to the end of end point of whatever it is that you're going to say.
1: Well, I, I think it's a, uh... It took some self awareness for me to realize that it's it's probably not the best time to try to to complete this one with with the competing attention on other things. But the good news is that I've got three other books to write on the series, plus two other books that are are rolling around in my head uh, that I really need to get out. So it's not going to be because I'm sitting idle that I might go out of order when I publish.
0: So do you, when you write these books, do you have them like an outline for each one? So you know what you want to say and how you're going to stay focused?
1: I I do. And it started because I was going to write one book on the five leadership principles that the five eagles came up with. And it turns out that that would have been a very, very long book because I just uh, had so much to say about all of these things. And it also turns out to be a, a truth in the marketplace that nobody wants to read a very long book from somebody they've never heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some some people are forced to read uh, Tolstoy in college, uh, and they generally don't do that again on their own. Uh, so they're certainly not going to read uh, something that I wrote that's very long. So I broke it down into smaller books, but the outlines were there. So when I read or I listen to podcasts or or I uh, watch webinars. And I, I start to gather information like, you know, that's relevant for influence. That's relevant for culture. And I start to pull all of these things together to add to it. And I just keep my notes as I go. And then when it comes time to sit down and write, it comes pretty quick.
0: Mm, that's very, very, very wise. So what are the other two books then that you, or ideas that you have for books? Because I'm thinking that it's not going to be five. It's going to end up being seven now.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, in fact, I've already got the cover for one of them uh completed. The I, I I was so fortunate last fall to spend some time with the Veterans Association from the battalion that I had commanded in uh in Missouri. Uh there was the Vietnam vets that had taken this battalion over, over to Vietnam and it's a construction battalion, and these guys uh spent quite a bit of time over there uh building and and clearing roads. And they got back together and I got to attend it with, with them and the stories they told. And I said, gosh, these guys are so smart um, and, and they're so wise and things. So I, I started taking notes and then I started doing surveys through my wider network. Uh, and the working title right now is the Wisdom of Sergeants. And it's about practical leadership from the backbone of the army, which is our sergeants. And they're the folks that uh, maybe they went to college and maybe they didn't. Uh, but some, for some reason, they were selected above their peers to be leaders. And some of the best advice that all of our officer corps ever received was from those sergeants. And so I, I've asked officers for their best NCO stories, and I've asked uh, enlisted for the best and worst advice they've always got, they've ever gotten from sergeants. And uh, I've collected quite a bit, and, and now it's almost time to put that into a book. I'm so excited to see how that turns out.
0: Mm. That sounds interesting. Also, I think it sounds the way that you're writing it, it is uh, relatable for most people, even though it's using ranks in the military of which, you know, they may not understand, but they can relate to it from the leadership perspective. And you're probably making it easy for anybody to read. It's not specific in the military.
1: Well, for sure. And, and I think that's one of the things that I try to do is, is to, you know, let me be obvious about the lesson I want you to take away from this. So when a sergeant tells you this, this is where the equivalent is in your business. You know, with first when you, when you get a lieutenant who's in charge of a platoon for the first time, the lieutenant is assigned a platoon sergeant. And so here's somebody with 12 or 14 years of service subordinate to a lieutenant who's been there for a month.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Now he's got a college degree and he's supposedly really smart, but you've got experience versus book smart. And that happens in real life, not just in the military. Yep. And I think the lessons that you learn from when usually the lieutenant figures out that he's got to listen to his platoon sergeant. And then when the platoon sergeant realizes that maybe this kid isn't an idiot, um, that's when you start to see units really thrive. It happens in business the same way.
0: Yeah, I would call that peer and reverse mentoring for sure.
1: Yeah, I would too. Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay. So I'm speaking the same language as you. Uh, that makes me happy. Yeah. So when you're to also going back to the workshop, is this the first one that you're doing? And I know it's the, it's the show will air after you do it, but I'm presuming you're trying to do this like what? Once a quarter, once a month. What's the schedule? Yeah, I think
1: we're, we're, we're going to spend a lot of time after uh, talking about what went right and what went wrong. Cause yes, it is the first one that we're doing. Um, you know, how does marketing work? How do we gather the right audience? And we try to keep it very small. Uh, we don't want to, we don't want to try to fill an auditorium. What we want to do is get people who can spend some time going deep with leadership. Uh, so yeah, I think the goal would be to do it quarterly. Uh, not necessarily, uh, you know, maybe, maybe once a year per city, So I don't. I don't think I want to do four of them in Tampa. I think I want to do one in Tampa, one in Orlando, and then maybe go up to Gainesville or maybe go down to Miami. Not
0: Jacksonville. Uh, Don't they have a pretty good military presence there? It seems they.
1: They do, but but the military is not my audience, right? I want I want to see the corporate leaders understanding the value of those military folks that are coming out of Jacksonville Naval Naval Station. Um. So uh, yeah, I think <laughs> ideally I, I can travel anywhere in the country and gather friends uh, from former career and, uh, and, and, put these things on. And so then I have something that's giving back to the community. It's helping corporate leaders connect with the military and it's paying for my travel.
0: <clears throat> yeah. I think that Miami sounds like a good fit. I, well, aside from the fact that Jacksonville is, you know, next to the port and everything, and they do have military presence. I I neglected to say that, yes, I do understand you're looking for the corporate leaders for sure. There is one of the biggest um, financial services over there, FIS, in the mm-hmm. world. And I would say, and they're not all military. So yeah. that alone, I mean, Jacksonville has a pretty good thriving uh, TED community, because you've mentioned that before, uh, but they also have a really good startup ecosystem there. So I would think that they would be by far better than probably, um, and I'm sorry, go Gators. I am a Gator, but uh, then Gainesville, and you're, then you're hitting pretty much the major pulse points of, and if you go to the Gatorland, you better be going to <laughs> Tallahassee also that's true <laughs> yeah you can't do one without the other so you might have to say well maybe i'm gonna have to do six of them you know if you or five what tampa miami orlando jacks gainesville yeah six um so that you do it in all fairness <laughs> to every mascot that's out there
1: <laughs> it may it may take a minute to get through all of those i don't know if i can get them all done in a year because there's that's
0: like once every two months but you know.
1: yeah yeah so we'll see how it turns out, uh, and hopefully we'll learn a lot from this this first go. And we've got some great folks that are coming. Um, I'm very excited about the the audience that we have put together, and very very excited about the the leaders that are coming in to to speak. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be great.
0: That does sound really good. I know when you shared you shared that with me at Synapse, I was going, oh, this looks so interesting, and I I definitely wanted to know more, just as an average person. Well, what is the favorite quote that you might, and I'm pretty sure you might be using quotes in, in every chapter of your book also. That would be a, a really good use of quotes.
1: Yeah, I, I I do start every every chapter of all the books with, uh, with a quote. Uh, I think my favorite quote is uh, by the most famous general that nobody's ever heard from or heard of, a guy named Fox Connor. And he told uh, one of his protégés, that you need to take your job seriously, but never yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Fox Connor was the mentor for, uh, for George C. Marshall, uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower and George Patton, among many others. Uh, those are probably just the three that, that most people have heard of. Um, but nobody's ever really heard of him. Very few people have heard of him. And that's kind of the, 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 the key to, to sincere mentorship is when you don't really care about getting credit for it.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. OK, well, we're going to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor and then come back to the second half of our show.
1: Transcend Network helps early stage startup founders find product market fit through weekly experiments, receive fundraising support and build a global founder investor network for ed tech and the future of work technologies. The intern whisperer is affiliated with employers for change, and we thank Transcend Network for being a sponsor of our show.
0: And we are back to our show. This is where we talk about the future of industries and jobs in 2030. And let's throw in chat GPT and anything else that you might want to talk about. But for sure, I, I'm interested in what the balance of keeping us human and going to in-person workshops versus doing things online. I. I think, not I think, I absolutely believe, and this is a prediction I'm making, that we are going to have to do exactly like what you're doing, where we are teaching people how to be relational, how to be uh, aware of interaction and what that looks like, and not only just leading, but just to be uh, human, because everything is so online.
1: Yeah, I. you know, I think the the end of the the government imposed uh, isolation (laughs) during COVID, uh, the response to that was was skyrocketing attendance at just about every in-person venue. And I think after a year or so, depending on which state you were in, uh, people showed that they craved that human contact. And I think that's so important. And I don't think we're willing to give that up Yes, there are some introverts that would prefer just to be left alone and only connect through a screen, but most people crave that. Mm -hmm. So while it's easy for you and I to connect, uh, you know, we don't have to brave the I-4 corridor to, to have this conversation. I still prefer seeing you in person twice a year so far that we've been able to do that, uh, since we've met and I enjoy those times immensely because we have a quicker exchange of ideas. We, we can sense each other's energy and, uh, you can, you can see things and say things that you don't see or say over, over the, uh, the interwebs.
0: Yeah. Or the phone, right. We'll oh. Throw the, throw the uh, phone in there also. I agree. What do you think leadership is going to look like?
1: I, I I, I, I worry about junior leadership. I think this the, the folks that are are in leadership positions now that are going to be moving up to senior leadership have weathered some storms and they've learned from those experiences. I'm concerned mostly for those folks that have uh, been very protected and haven't had to overcome obstacles because they've been hidden from it. Hide mm-hmm. right behind the mask, stay at home, don't risk anything. Mm-hmm. And so I think we have a risk of of developing an entire generation of risk averse leaders. And I think that's gonna be very dangerous for a lot of companies. I think it's going to make innovation much more difficult. I think it's going to make uh, aggressive growth in companies very difficult because people who are are risk averse aren't going to look to the future in a way of possibility but in how to protect. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's a different value than what has built this country.
0: I agree, and I don't think that that is indicative of our generation of which we grew into, or grew, you know, were born and grew grew out of. Um, I know that there's been a lot of uh, articles that I've read uh, that are focused on obviously um, industrial revolutions that we were born into, and they'll say that boomers, and then gen y and and then millennials i mean that's really where the gen y and the millennials you begin to see a, a really a different view as to that so there has to be a place where we are really aware of just like you said we're we crave that human connection we absolutely do that is what we are born for that is what we are here to serve in is the fact that we are made for relationship if we don't have that, and and relationship is about senses also. It's about just being able to, like you said, see the energy, feel the energy. You can, you can actually shake hands with somebody or give them a hug, whatever. These things are important. And quite frankly, people need seven touches just to feel valued. And that can be the handshake or somebody touching you on the shoulder and, you know, appropriate work touches, you know, but Goodness gracious, you know, the, um, uh, Latin culture gets it. They'll come over and kiss you on the cheek. So, you know, it's a very Go space. Very, so yes, yeah. <laughs> I yes. Love it too. So I really feel like that is what, because they've, they grew up with technology in their hands, they have had distance relationships. They play games distance. They now work distance. They've gone to church distance. If, if they are church, uh, goers too then how do they know how to interact in real life? They are not going to know how to lead a team as effectively as if you are together in a room.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's going to be a struggle, uh, certainly for for folks. And I think, you know, how do you influence a peer group when you're all in chat? Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and I, it took me a while to kind of think through that. When I watch uh, teenagers on the soccer field sitting around in a circle, they kind of pair up, you know, when somebody says something, then they'll, they'll make a snide comment to the person right next to them uh, so that nobody else can hear or they'll have a facial expression. And, and somehow that little kabuki dance of, of nods and winks and whispers, somebody becomes more influential than others in that little peer group. I don't see how that happens in a group text. I don't see how that happens on social media. It's well, not the same.
0: In Zoom, you have you can chat individually with people. Like you can only yeah chat in Zoom. But, I
1: don't think but, but if you're sitting, if you're sitting in an auditorium listening to a speaker and they say something really cool, and you look to the person next to you and you're like, "Hey, that's really cool." I'm not sure you would always type that. Or if they see something that's really off and you rib them you stick your own rib real quick did you hear that that happens frequently but in person In person yeah
0: and it happens with complete strangers also and you can't do that in online
1: that's engagement. awkward isn't it let me let me just chat to the person who's in the square next to me and maybe it'll feel like i'm sitting next to him and ribbing them hey did you hear that uh yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it doesn't translate. And I think that's going to be a problem for people who've only existed in that environment where they're going to be thrown into an environment where other people are communicating quicker, faster, and with greater depth.
0: Yeah. And and being able, just like you were suggesting too, obviously it's understanding the um, the observation of what happens in a room. You can see the whole room. Oh, yeah. And when people have their, their cameras turned off, you can't see anybody. How are you you only have a verbal to be able to evaluate? Okay. Are they engaged? I don't know.
1: So I did a webinar a couple of weeks ago and I don't know, 40 or 50 people there. Um, but my graphics came up and that's all I could see. Mm -hmm. I could see my graphics and I could not see anybody. I don't know if they're laughing at my jokes. I don't know if they're engaged. I don't know if they've all left. I have no idea. Mm -hmm. Um, I I did get some positive comments in the back. So, uh, you know, at least my mother stayed to the end. But uh, it (laughs) it uh, it was tough. Because you don't feed off that energy that you get from being in person with people,
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. So when we talk about this, now see, that's a problem, and they may be able to figure out how to work around that, but I just there's nothing that replaces the human contact
1: yes and and you know, there's another piece that's really missing, and that's because everybody in your audience is on mute,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so you don't hear laughter. You may see somebody, if you happen to have the cameras up, if that's, that part's working. Um, you may see people nodding, but that's not the same thing as somebody in the back going, oh yeah, that's right. That's true. Or Mm -hmm. somebody, the whole group laughing at your joke. Um, that feedback is important. And I think we're missing it. Mm -hmm.
0: Now this is totally inappropriate. I'm going to say something. So I was in a, um podfest. It was in podfest. I'll say that too. Uh, I was in an online pod, uh, podfest meeting and somebody came through and we hadn't seen this in a couple of years, right? Where they just zoom bombed and they came in and it was a male and he was, um, having a good time by himself. I'll leave it that way. So, because I have kids that listen to the show, but It was like oh my god what just happened you know and you don't see that in real life but yet people will do things like that that are totally inappropriate
1: thankfully we don't see that in real life very often
0: (laughs) thankfully yeah yeah and i'm and he was still on camera the whole face and body so (laughs) you know it wasn't just like you know guess which who i am (laughs) (laughs) His um, name on it? yeah yeah, yeah, whatever, mm. so I feel like um, there's gonna be there's issues with the being able to have remote work. there's still issues with being able to develop leaders remotely. I totally agree with you, I think that they're gonna be very um isolated and not really understand the value of being able to have in person conversations with people um And then there's this place of robots where people would be talking to robots like they're people. I don't see how that's effective either, but yet we have started having those kind of conversations with computers, you know, over the phone, right?
1: We have. And I just saw a webinar the other day where they are having uh, a chat bot, uh, an AI chat bot uh, making phone calls and sounds...
0: Oh, I've seen those. Na-
1: natural no, as a know. human, right? And so you're not you know. even able to tell. Um, yeah, I, I think there's some some significant danger in that. I I don't uh I don't know how comfortable I am with engaging those kinds of technologies. Um, because it 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 seems to me that at some point people will figure it out or find out, um, and and then they're gonna wonder whether or not they can trust you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think and and trust is is the coin of the realm when it comes to leadership.
0: It sure is, so what do you think about chat GBT? Have you been playing with it?
1: uh very little um I am nervous about how easily how seductive it is. um you know, I could finish that book up if I just let the 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 open a i bot uh write it for me um I think it runs the risk of of hampering ingenuity Uh, i think that one of the great things that we do as humans is solve problems and when there's an easy button uh, that solves it for you or gives you the answer that you don't go through the mental gymnastics it takes to solve problems that you're not developing as a problem solver and that's going to bite us in the butt
0: so i played with it And I played to break it and I could see where I could actually break it and it was it was quite enjoyable too I will tell you because you can give it a set of commands and it can take it to about up to about five five you know ampersands in between it you want this and this and this and this and this and it can do that and after that it gets really confused and it doesn't know what to do I I played with it from the point of view of articles that I've written And I asked it to write me an article about multidimensional learning, and I included my name, and I included uh, uh, citations, and I included a couple of other things. It came back, and I could see where it was citing my article that's been published. I, I could see the citations, but in a list, not with quotation marks around it so i don't know where the sources were being pulled from but those are the things that i sat there and went how accurate can it be because it's pulling information from around the world that is potentially i mean it's fact some can be fact it's you know peer reviewed it's honestly been heavily researched it can also pull information that's just straight opinion and has nothing to do with anything being factual or really um, built around science. So those are the things that I've played with. And I went, I, I don't know if I would, I've seen a lot of professors, how they're approaching it is I think very positive. They said, here, I want you to use it. I want you to use it. I want you to write a paper. And then I want you to give me that paper and I want you to improve upon it because there will be lots of mistakes. And I, I applaud their, their willingness to, to go out there and, and to see how we, we shouldn't be afraid of it and the computer will, the algorithm will get smarter and smarter and smarter though, because it's going to get our continuous feedback and eventually it should sound, it should sound like a human eventually. I don't know how long that takes with millions of people using it already.
1: Yeah. It, uh, it, it actually, uh, I went to go look at it this morning because of a, a webinar I had just watched and I'm like, I wonder if this would work. Um, and it, 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 had crashed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was just too many users. If you pay for the plus, we'll let, send you your own link so that you can, <laughs> go, okay, clever.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I think that there's a, a, a place for it and it's out of the box. So we're not going to be able to stuff it back in now. No no nope. it's it's just not but it is going to change jobs schools how we talk to each other so many
1: things yeah yeah well you have your bot talk to my bot and we'll figure it out
0: yeah something like that for sure <laughs> for sure, for sure so <clears throat> what do you what is the the ethics of all of that what do you think i feel like we're going to see more areas of ethics coming out and how we should be using these things wisely.
1: Yeah. I I think there, there's going to be some, some ethical, uh, guidelines, you know, you can use it for this, but not for that sort of thing, but, but humans being humans, um, people are going to figure out, they're going to game the system, figure out how they can most take advantage of it to get the things that they want. Um, so I think it's a very powerful tool. I think it's a dangerous, uh, tool. But I think we're going to have to learn to live with it. And we're going to have to figure that out.
0: Yeah, we absolutely will.
1: And and I think you're right to point it out as ethics and not laws. I don't think uh, our governments at any level are prepared uh, to deal with it. I don't think that they're fast enough. They don't learn fast enough. They don't move fast enough. And they certainly don't decide fast enough uh, to be able to change things as the technology changes. So it's got to be an ethical question as opposed to a legal one.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with you. All right. So, what is the best mentoring advice that you would like to pass on to our audience? Uh,
1: so, I would say there's two things. One, one is what I mentioned before about mentors uh, not needing to take credit. Right? When it's when it's not about you and it's really about your protégé, uh, that changes everything. Mm-hmm. If if nobody knows that you're mentoring somebody and they get an exalted position and they don't Thank you publicly. How do you feel about that?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you should be okay with it because it was never about you. Um, but a lot of people aren't about that. They're they're about oh look at look at my stable of, of proteges and how successful they are because it reflects well on me. So so that's the first thing is it's it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 second thing I would say is that inspiring people. Is is something that that we we kind of think is our job as a leader or a mentor, and uh, I I think as an example, yes, we inspire people, um, but it's not my job as a leader to motivate you. I I think you know that you know the story of of the the king coming and seeing uh, three people laying bricks, and he he comes to the first one and says, "What are you doing?" He says, "I'm laying bricks." And he goes to the second and says, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a wall. Very different perspective. I'm just laying bricks. I'm building a wall. And he asks the third one, well, what is it you're doing? He says, I am building a cathedral in honor of the almighty. Here's a guy who has a perspective of the actions that he takes are contributing to something greater than himself. Mm. The first guy is just laying bricks. Here's the thing. In most companies, you have people who are sitting in all three of those camps. Yep. And the, I used to think that the leader's job was to get the bricklayer to understand he's building a cathedral. And the fact of the matter is it's okay for him just to be a bricklayer. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Now, I'm not going to expect anything else from him. I expect you to, to lay the bricks as best you can. The guy who's building a wall, I want you to build it straight but the other guy who's intrinsically motivated and sees where he affects the bigger picture that's somebody i'm going to invest my time in mm-hmm. that's somebody i'm going to mentor so, so that's a that that's kind of how i look at where do we invest in people and i think a lot of leaders spend most of their time trying to motivate the bricklayer uh and you probably should spend a lot more time investing in the person who's going to help bring the whole vision together.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a different perspective. I'm going to okay. in here. So the brick layer that may be the only thing they know how to be based on how they grew up. So sometimes when we, or what challenges they may have, right? So when I talk with somebody that has uh, developmental disabilities, this is goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show. I have concerns about where are those individuals with um, cognitive disabilities, where are those individuals that are immigrants that only speak one language, where are the people that fall between the cracks that are not going to be the cathedral brick player if you or a cathedral builder if you will now there's and I guess it comes from me being a public classroom teacher because I taught at risk I taught standard level which is average and then I taught honors and I didn't go and take the test to teach uh you know the gifted program but each of those have different gifts and abilities that they bring to the table one of the best things, and I think I've said this to you, one of the, the most valuable lessons I learn is from uh, serving in children's ministry at my church. I teach three and four-year-olds. Now, one could say that could be, you know, the developmental mindset of, of some adults, right? And that's true, it could be. One of, what I've learned from them is my, my biggest takeaway is that they want to be seen they want to be heard, they want to be loved, and they want to be accepted. So -hmm. when they come into the room, you know, I would go in there and I'd get down on their level and I'd go, oh, I'm so happy to see you. And I'd give them a hug. And now when they run into the room, they always give me a big hug, all of them, even the ones that were challenging, because they know that they're, they're seen and they're, they're loved on. And many times when I talk with them, it's, you know, it's very much the same. They'll react to me differently than before when I didn't give them hardly any attention. So I feel like there's a place where we should see each one of those people in a, a, a the capacity that maybe that's all they're capable of, right? And I know, just to be clear, I understood the parable that you gave me as as exactly not the way that i'm describing it because i went way deeper than, than what you even implied or anything but i did totally understand what you were saying because there's going to be those people that just go this is all i want to do they don't want to be personally
1: challenged yes. do the it way well
0: way, the that,
1: that's I all i ask uh, yeah. you know do it well and i'm going to make sure that you're resourced and, and taken care of so that you can do it well yeah um, but i'm not going to try to mentor you into into seeing the bigger picture now i'll introduce that idea to you but if you're not interested in it go lay bricks yeah be good at it
0: yeah kind of like uh what was the movie with tom hanks in it where he was the mentally challenged guy i don't know It'll- oh forrest gump yes thank you <laughs> for the longest time i never saw that movie it was like i don't know 2015. It was 15 years after it had been out, and somebody said, "You haven't seen this movie?" I said, "No," and I went, "How have I not seen this movie?" Yeah. Because everything he did was to to the best of his ability. Right. Yeah, and I understand that's really what you're saying because that's the kind of leader you are, though.
1: So I I think there's there's one other thing uh, it, when we're when we're thinking about um, people reaching their potential. It's uh, it's a Michelangelo quote that I, I really love, and you know he says that, that you know the great danger for most of us is not really that we're setting our aim too high and falling short. The real danger is that we're settling our aim too low and then achieving our mark. Uh, I I feel like there's a lot of folks that uh, it's okay. I just want to be a, a bricklayer, but they have the ability to at least. Yes, you know, be yeah. the one that, that sees that they're building a wall, uh, and they, and that they are contributing to a bigger picture. And so that, that troubles me when I see people aiming low, when I know they have the ability to aim high. Yeah, Some people do that because they have a perfectly good reason. Look, I'm going to work nine to five and not a minute sooner, because I'm going to get out and coach you with soccer. Or I'm going to get home and hug on my kids, or I'm going to, there's lots of reasons for that. And I respect those. Yep. Um, but if, 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 you're holding yourself back just because of a lack of courage to, to step into the bigger roles,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, then I'd love to talk to you about that because that's something I do as a leadership coach.
0: Yeah. And you're good at it too. Yeah. All Thanks. right. Well, what is your website and what social, uh, channels should people look for you?
1: Okay. So my website is five dot
0: Is that the number five or the letter?
1: You can use either one. It's going to get you there. Okay. See, I've gotten smarter since last time. Yeah. It's it's actually RT strategies but I've got, I bought the the domains on either side of it so I could get it uh, on folks to my website. Um, So fiveegosleadership.com. And of course I'm on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook and uh, I have Twitter, but I don't use it much. I haven't figured out how to tweet effectively. Got it.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. As always, it's always delightful to spend time with you. I love learning from you. So thank you so much for sharing this with all of our listeners.
1: It's been a true pleasure, Isabella. And I thank you for uh, giving me an opportunity to talk to your audience. And of course, for your friendship, because I really do value it.
0: Oh, the feeling's mutual. But to be clear, you earned this. You were voted number one on most views. So I'm
1: happy. I'm happy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, will you take care. And I look forward to seeing you again soon. Awesome. Bye-bye. So we want to thank our sponsor, Cat5 Studios, and thank you to our production team, producer and editor, Josue Gonzalez, and music by Sophia Lloyd. Visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while scaling your people for the future of work. Thank you for supporting the Intern Whisper by subscribing to us on Podbean or your favorite streaming channel. And be sure to go and visit us at Employers for Change on our YouTube channel if you'd like to watch the video. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you.